Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, pop culture, and beer brand business challenges, because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I am Luz Corona, Adweek Community Editor, and I am so happy to be reunited with my co-host, Rebecca Stewart, our Europe brand editor, after her return from Cannes. Rebecca, how are you? Yeah, I think I'm still in a state of recovery from Can Lion, to be honest. <laughs> but I'm so happy to be back with you. Yeah, and you and I have to give you like huge kudos, like great episodes from over there. Um, and yes, made me FOMO. You killed it. So congrats there. <laughs> Thank you. I hope I didn't give you can anxiety. No. <laughs> um, but speaking about Kanxiety, because one of our reporters covered it, um, we are joined here by two of our colleagues uh, to discuss today's topic, um, welcoming Kyle O'Brien and Paul Hebert. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. <laughs> Kyle with that radio voice, man. It's just it's just so lovely, Kyle. Sorry about that. <laughs> Obsessed with Kyle's voice. Obsessed. It's like, all right, Kyle, you sound great. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we did invite you guys on because, you know, following the canned conversation last week, Bud Light did come out with its summer campaign following the whole pride slash Dylan Mulvaney backlash. So we're going to dissect that a little bit, talk about what the sentiment was in Cannes when this was announced. Um, But first, for the listeners that may not be fully up to speed, let's kind of do a little recap. And Paul Heber, would you like to take us away and just give us a little recap of what went down with Bud Light? (laughs) Sure. So, I mean, for anyone who hasn't heard or is unfamiliar with it, it's been, I mean, a, a few months now, but... It kind of all started in early, I think it was April 1st, actually. Uh, the transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney posted a pretty short uh, video on Instagram just showing a, a custom can that Bud Light had made and sent to her. And kind of over the coming weeks throughout April, people started talking about it more. The boycott started. I mean, and we see we see these things happen every now and then. People get mad on Twitter and are complaining and, and call for boycotts. But for... For whatever reason, this one really uh, gained steam, and then the, the Bud Light did see sales drop and did see attitudes change. Um, some of that, I think, is was just the company's reaction. They they put a couple of executives on leave. They they issued a statement, um, kind of an apology statement, but they didn't really show any support for for Dylan Mulvaney. They didn't say anything about the um, trans community. It was just kind of we're here for everybody is meant to bring everyone together why can't we all get along kind of thing so it's just kind of kept snowballing from there and again i 
again, we see these things happen every now and then, but they never stick around as long as this one has with, with sales actually dropping and, and rivals seeing their sales go up while Bud Light sales go down. Um, so that has kind of taken us to, to Can Lion Festival where uh, Marcel Macondez was on stage to talk about how great the company has been at transforming from a company that just buys other brands, acquires brands to something that is using creativity to help grow their brands. And he did at the top of his seminar. It was the very, I think it was the very first um, official programming of the week. He, he took a couple minutes to kind of address the issue that this is kind of awkward. This is a little embarrassing. We are dealing with something that is uh, making us look bad and sales go down. Um, so he just talked about how divisive the country has become and how it's unpleasant to see it and how they are going to roll out new advertising, have a, a tour that goes around the United States to kind of win back people, get people just enjoying the summer, enjoying a Bud Light and kind of moving past all of this stuff. And this was a kind of conversation that dominated the week, Paul. I feel like everyone I spoke to in Cannes had a take on Bud Light and the controversy um, and then winning, you know, that really prestigious Lion of St. Mark Award. And I think there's so much to unpack because it kind of brings into light a lot of questions around how brands should kind of deal with this split in consumer attitudes when they co-opt social causes or use LGBTQ rights or um, yeah causes as a case for advertising or a basis for advertising. Like both Paul and Kyle, kind of what's the sense you get here? Like has Bud learned any lessons from what it's done? Or how it handled the whole situation and what does it say about how marketers should kind of attach themselves to causes and communities? I'll, I'll start. I, I think if, you, uh, if you're if you going to do something like have Dylan Mulvaney uh, or somebody, you need to champion the cause. You can't back away from it. I think, you know, doing that made things, I believe, worse for the brand. Uh, they, they had an initial backlash from, you know, the people who do not like trans people and that's uh, it, that was unfortunate in, in above itself, but then to have to, to basically sit, just throw it to the wind and say, Oh, well, well, we kind of disavow ourselves of this. Uh, we're, we're going to put a couple people on leave for the mistakes they made. Uh, it really, really makes the brand look bad. And then it sets it off for, okay, you could have had trans people on your side. You could have had the LGBTQ people on your side. And then you just kind of pissed it all away by not throwing any weight behind it uh, and going on about your business uh, and putting out, you know, the, these next few ads, which basically just celebrate summer and don't even uh, don't even address the controversy. Yeah. And sorry, Paul, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I did hear I, I, throughout can everyone was talking about Bud Light as an example of just I mean, and again, and Bud Light didn't step into it too much but for whatever reason it's just become uh, a symbol of a, a moment here where this we've been hearing about purpose-driven marketing for so long and we've been talking about how divided people are politically and now this perfect storm of things all coming together um just making people think and pause and maybe we need to yeah either either jump full into something and really support causes or just just keep it light and easy and breezy and uh, summertime fun kind of thing so it was definitely a topic of conversation throughout the week that I've heard through multiple people just just bringing it up. Um, yeah, so. I mean, I was going to say yeah. like Bud Light is a big brand to kind of do this big kind of 
brand blunder. You know, we saw Pepsi a few years ago do the same mistake. Um, I think to your point, Paul, when talking about like taking a pause and just kind of really thinking about who you're speaking to, I think it's also just kind of important to consider lived experiences of the community that you're going to try to portray. So the trans community is not even like just dealing with already an acceptance and and all that they're actually dealing with violence and you know just constantly being attacked so um you know definitely measures weren't really considered here at least in in my eyes um but now that we're talking about creative the new spot is funny you know creative cheeky it did elicit a chuckle or two from me but i couldn't help but notice in the new creative that it does stray from the vision that we had heard you know bud light's vp of marketing Alyssa heinerscheid hope i'm saying that right talk about you know she had talked a while back about reestablishing what this brand is about right and she emphasized during the super bowl campaign that female representation is something i'm super passionate about um but we see in this new spot that it kind of strays from that i mean the first five seconds, you just see kind of male characters. And then we see women, you know, carrying the keg. And, you know, it's it's all lighthearted from there. But it kind of makes you reconsider, like, okay, what is the strategy here? They're playing it safe for sure with this creative. It's fun and it's going to distract. But, you know, will that wear off? And Kyle, you covered the creative in, in your article. So what are your thoughts there? Well, yeah. And uh, and it, it started actually, you know, with Anomaly, their new uh relatively new agency. Um, I'm sure they had this in the planning for a while. Uh, and I'm sure they had it in the planning before all of the controversy happened. So, you know, bringing, bringing a kind of lighthearted summer fair, um, was, I'm certain, certain an option because they wanted to, to get those summer beer drinkers. But, uh, you know, you look at these ads. The first one was called Shower Beer. I don't think that made much of an impact, um, but it was uh, basically to the Zach Brown bands, uh, uh, Chicken Fry. They uh, they just you know showed people getting rained on at a concert, and then Bud Light kind of was the refresher. And it's like, okay, well that's nice. Uh, and then they they went to to this one, which is showing all the kind of foibles of summer. You know, blowing out a flip flop and uh, and you know hot hot stones and and uh getting sunburned and things like that it's it it kind of speaks to what the brand is uh, much more uh the, what you typically remember of what what bud light is which is a, a light-hearted brand with a light beer uh which i don't think anybody wants to read anything more into that especially the drinkers of bud light and so uh thus you know the controversy and then the lack of backing that up kind of makes it like okay what is this campaign really about well it's probably the position you were wanting to take in the first place. So why not just stick with that? I mean, you'd think about what Bud Light has done in the past and all the way back to the, the Bud Bowl with, you know, two bottles of beer going at each other in football. And, and now they're bringing, you know, football stars, they're bringing uh, this, um, this whole, you know, backyard barbecue uh, aesthetic to, uh, to the fans, just trying to win them back again after uh, basically a bout of bad will. Yeah, and I think it was interesting because so many of the conversation coming back to Can again, so much of the conversation was around creative effectiveness and the power of advertising. And I think this speaks to the power of like a misstep in advertising and the power of a boycott because Modelo uh, last week took overtook Bud Light as America's best-selling beer. It's held that crown for a long, long time. So yeah, if you want to look at creative effectiveness, this is kind of a lesson in how not to do it, I guess. They managed to alienate customers at both ends of the spectrum, left and right. So I just wonder, like, what's next for Bud Light? 
um, and where it can go from here. They're giving out free beer on Independence Day, which is a promotion they've kind of done before on different holidays. Is that the key to, to winning back customers? Paul, what do you think we'll see from a marketing perspective next? Yeah, I think that, and I just want to touch back on what, what Kyle was saying of this, how much this has been planned in advance. So they've been working on this for, for months, if not longer. Um, I know a, a year ago, Anheuser-Busch, they announced plans that they would no longer have exclusive rights around the Super Bowl. Um, and that's a big cost saving for them. And they were going to use that money to advertise more throughout the year, especially this summer when more they have more sales, more people are drinking beer. Um, and again, as, as the production of it all happens, I'm sure all of this stuff has been planned for months and the creatives and planned for months. But from the consumer's viewpoint, though, they are not going to see this any other way than this is how Bud Light's trying to trying to react to the controversy, to the scandal. Um, so I think that's just very interesting that, again, the average person will be like, this is Bud Light just made this last week in, in response to how much I'm mad at them. And this is this is their answer to to it. So I think that's a, just a very interesting um, kind of plot twist in terms of them trying to trying to come back or trying to invest all this money, have the new agency create the ads. Um, but I guess, again, with how just unprecedented a lot of this has been from my viewpoint of it, this is actual boycott that's, that's taken on a life of its own and it's, it's real sales have dropped um, and that it keeps going month after month. Um, I'm not sure if it's just going to take more more time for people to get bored and move on to something else or or if Bud Light's going to come back with some more assertive campaign that is, in fact, a reaction to to what's happening with its brand and how people are feeling. But, yeah, I don't know. From I mean, just just scrolling through the top comments on the on YouTube, it's it's no one seems to like this commercial. And again, they're reacting to it in in. Uh, with the context of the Dylan Mulvaney, the the backlash around letting the marketing execs on leave and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. It's so interesting to me because I think, you know, another AB InBrev brand, Budweiser, reacted so quickly um, when they were faced with the kind of prospect of an alcohol-free World Cup days before the World Cup and that was like a real solid example of marketing innovation and just personally I don't know if we've seen that here but yeah I guess Paul your answer is like TBC. Um, I I do want to continue this I have some thoughts too and I need you guys to catch me up on the World Cup conversation but uh, I think this is a good time to take a pause. Kyle why don't you take us away? We'll return in a moment after these words from your sponsors. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. 
And we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed Kyle's beautiful radio voice taking us to break. We're considering recording that, having that for future sessions. But going back to this episode, I actually wanted to ask you guys, and I'm sorry I'm so out of touch, but what what remind me again what happened with the alcohol-free rule that was supposed to happen during the World Cup and how Budweiser responded? Well, they were basically like one of the key sponsors for the Qatar World Cup um, last year. And yeah, two days before the, the tournament, Qatar officials or Qatari officials said that um, no alcohol would be permitted on stadium grounds. Uh, and it was quite funny. Budweiser tweeted like, well, this is awkward. Uh, and then that was swiftly deleted. And they basically had to sell Bud Zero um, throughout the tournament. And they had to change all their kind of branding and stuff really quickly. Like there was pictures of people literally lifting out um, like posters and kind of stalls that have been created with the the Budweiser branding, uh, and I think the partnership actually still ended up being really successful because Budweiser got so much earned media from it, and they've just renewed the the sponsorship. Oh wow, they renewed it. Okay, yeah. so it did work. Gotcha. And they won a, They won a can line for that campaign, right? Bring bring back the Bud. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting right. since they pulled out a Super Bowl, but they had like a big presence there and it worked for them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and going back to how to handle these, you know, these kind of matters. And, you know, I think a really great point in talking to you guys, Kyle and Paul, you guys shed light on how this like summer campaign was probably planned a long time ago before this Dylan Mulvaney campaign. Um, so it's just interesting to see how it's all played out. I think advertising these days is at such an intersection and it's always kind of advertising has always kind of touched everything right we talk about that in the intro of our podcast you know but especially these days in such a divided world um it's really important to take a lot of things into account just what communities are facing their pain points their passion points um what kind of advice would you guys give to to this brand on how to handle this and just other brands that may be considering you know supporting communities that may be outside of their usual realm uh kyle you want to kick us off there well i mean there you first go to go to somebody good in crisis management i think that's that's your main thing because uh i mean there are great some great pr agencies out there who do great crisis management they can they can guide you through that and i think if they had done that they probably would have handled the situation differently uh if they would have gotten the advice of you know hey first off back back up the people that you're you know, you go into partnership with don't don't leave them high and dry i think that's probably one of the main ones but the other uh, then they would probably come up with a, a, a campaign that would put in in place how you continue to support communities, uh, especially marginalized communities, um, uh, while still staying true to your brand. And uh, so, I mean, it really should have taken some pre-planning, not post-planning, but, uh, you know, crisis management is is now where they're at. So they, they're going to need to do more of it and not just gloss over it. Hebert, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think... Kyle's right, and I, I think the preventative side will be the, the uh, focus kind of moving forward. Now that this has happened and everyone's kind of witnessing it and watching it play out in real time, um, you just have to know your customers and you have to, if you're going to take a stand, you have to stand up real straight and stand up real strong on what you're going to do, I think is the, the lesson here. Either avoid purpose-driven marketing or if you're going to do it then then go all in and be ready for some backlash be ready for some nasty comments online 
um, if that's what you want to do. So uh, yeah, I think, I think just there's going to be like a, in the coming months or years, there's just going to be a little bit more sensitivity and not just this kind of blatant, um, jumping all in on, on every purpose you can find. Cause that's what certain, certain groups of people want. But, um, yeah, I think the marketing will be a little bit different moving forward now, now that this has happened and, and, um, uh, there's actually been a, a cost to the, to the sales and to the reputation of, of a brand. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, what's super interesting, I know that sometimes the word sensitivities, like gar- sensitivity garners eye rolls these days, right, depending on who you're talking to and all that. But I do think the right idea was there, especially looking back at Alyssa's comments, you know, just about reaching younger drinkers and everything. This next, the next few generations, this is what they care about. So whether you agree or not, you do have to kind of safeguard your brand. And if you want it to be around another hundred years, you got to make sure that it matches the times and even staying ahead of the times. So those are my thoughts there. It'll be definitely be interesting to see how this affects marketing in the years to come. But um, Rebecca, what are your thoughts, your final thoughts? thoughts yeah i agree i feel like we're kind of used to this news cycle of like controversy outrage but i think brands need to tune in and just listen to their audience a bit more i think it's really challenging for a mass market brand like bud light but as you say if they want to be on the right side of history then they should kind of pick their battles and pick their consumers and you will alienate people sometimes but if your brand truly is like guided by its values and guided by a, a purpose, a purposeful North Star, then the ones that you keep are more valuable anyway. For sure. Amen, sister. Yes, Liz. Amen to that. And thank you so much, Kyle and Paul, for joining us to talk about this really important subject and one that I think a conversation I think will will probably come around again. Um, and we'll have you both back on to talk more. So thanks everyone. Yeah, thanks guys. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.